Hey legends, welcome to another week of the Virtus Performance Podcast. I have a very special episode for you today, even though they're all very special in their own ways. Uh, today's guest is Jeremy Dooley, who you may potentially remember from episode 23, where we took a bit of a, a dive into um, his upbringing and, and his kind of journey uh, through life. We talked about his work with the Reach Foundation. We talked about his strength and, strength and conditioning work. Um, he's done some work as an actor. Uh, he was heavily involved in, uh, in helping out uh, at one of the um, less fortunate events that happened in Melbourne um, a couple of years ago. So if you haven't yet listened to it episode 23 is epic um it's something that i think it touched a lot of people and there were some pretty cool responses from it so um yeah dive back and listen to that before or after this one uh, our intention for today's episode was a little bit different uh it was just to have a conversation um we weren't worried too much about what we each did even though obviously it, it came up a little bit um we talked about meaning and connection and, and culture and, and all those kind of things um connection kind of dove into a couple of different areas with other people with ourselves and with with the world around us so if you're currently uh, walking around listening to this take your shoes off jump into some grass and, and just enjoy it um because it's something we take for granted a little bit too often um every conversation i leave after chatting at duels, I always feel I always feel a little better, a little bit more relaxed, and uh, and a little bit like I have a little bit more understanding about how the world works. So um, he's a great man. Uh, this was an excellent podcast, and I'm very excited to share it with you. However, before I do, I would like to ask for help. Um, one of the things that I want to do uh, in 2019 is grow our podcast listens and grow our numbers um and one of the ways i can do that is by asking you guys for help if you enjoy your episode if you enjoy any episode please share it um that would be epic if you could subscribe to the podcast but most of all if you could leave a review um reviews are one of those ways that we uh we get up the charts and get noticed a little bit more. Um, there's some epic reviews on there at the moment, but it's something that I probably haven't asked for enough. If you guys could take 60 seconds out of your day to give us a good review, that would be ace. Um, if you could give us a bad review, that would be less ace, but hey, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Um, all right, let's get stuck in, hey? Without further ado, here's Duels. My personal and business goal is to be just a little bit better every day. I believe everyone, especially normal people, have a story to tell. The Virtus Podcast exists to help us all find small ways of consistent improvement by discussing the journey and experiences of each of our guests. Dools, mate, welcome back. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Round two, 56 weeks later or something. Yeah, it's long uh, ago. It was. Uh, for those listening at home, this man has been on the podcast before, uh, episode 23. 
jeez, uh, it was a long, it was a long time ago. It's been a hectic year. Shit's happened. Shit's gotten real. Yeah, big year indeed. I um, I don't think I was asking this question back then. So mm-hmm. I've got a question to start it off. Mm-hmm. What gets you out of bed in the morning? And if you can't say culture and connection, <laughs> um, I think for me, um, you know, and you know, like my my background's a lot in martial arts, and for me, it's that whole that. Uh, that kaizen, you know, the intention to improve a little bit more. Whether I improve or not is irrelevant. It's the intent behind it. Yeah. And sometimes that's not even myself. Sometimes it's, um, you know, can I run a workshop better? Can I be more present with someone? Can I help someone on their journey? So, um, yeah, that, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. I like that. So, like, last time we had a chat, it was a little bit more kind of chronological, talking about your story, talking about, like, what you've done and where you've been. I guess my, my intention for today's chat, and you may have a different intention or a similar intention, is to kind of dive a little bit more into, like, why, why you do it and how you do it and kind of what impact you're trying to make yeah. on the world and, and what day-to-day things you do things that you teach, how it actually makes a difference. Um, So I guess, you know, I I, I like the fact that you're so open book. It's like there's no fucking book. It's just a piece of paper. Um, What's what's the impact or the the mission that you're trying to create and trying to live up to each day? Yeah, right. So we're starting starting smoothly here. Uh, We're going straight straight into it. Hmm, my mission. Um, I think for me, um, you know, on the back of my business card is the <laughs> sentence, uh, when was the last time you truly felt alive? It's a good question. And so that, you know, when, when was that for you? <clears throat> I, I think... I don't know. I've, I've went straight back to like training this morning. Mm. Um, so I slept in this morning a little bit longer than I should have. I usually train before, before work. I've been kind of getting a good habit of that. And then I kind of went, ah, oh, fuck, I'm going to miss training for the day. And I went, oh no, wait, this is going to be a cool learning experience for our interns who we've got, um, two, two legends, Jasmine and Charlie, who are six weeks into a 12 week mentorship. And I kind of went, well, I'm going to get best of both worlds here. I'm going to throw them in the deep end because they're ready. They're well, well and truly ready to do a full session by themselves. Um, and I'm going to get to train. <laughs> mm. And so my, that feeling alive was when I was kind of like flying on the wall watching them coach um, with a barbell on my back. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And then like kind of external to that answer, my kind of brain went to um, standing on top of Machu Picchu earlier this year um, snowboarding um amongst the trees at the top of a mountain in Mayoko with a couple of my best friends in the world like little moments like that um you know spending time with KP like these are the things that come to come to mind when I last felt alive and I think the thing that it can be in the most magical part of the world or it can be in the beautiful town of Tyab but it, everything for me comes to back to people mm. it comes to spending time with people and experiencing things with people and like this morning was a bit of a 
a partner workout, like our version of a partner workout where one person lifts, one person like supports and gets around them and it was, yeah, it was fucking ace morning. Yeah, gets you up and about, you're jacked for the day, you're ready to roll. Yeah. It's funny because it used to be for me the want to have and to create moments where time stands still <laughs> and those moments where it feels like just everything's slowing down. Yeah. You know, that, that flow state, that in the zone. Um, but I think now... You know, over the course of the last 12, 18 months, um, it's still the same thing, but now I'm just thinking about it a little bit differently. So it's not about time slowing down or standing still. It's it's about feeling as much as you possibly can and being present while you're doing it. I think that's that's an important um, way to look at it, like feeling whatever you're feeling like last time you felt alive can be the time you had really bad news and you felt devastated for someone close to you who's going through something um and like we've had a like you know in our little community we've had a bit going on lately in terms of that so like those things can make you feel alive and it doesn't have to always have a positive connotation around it like one of the books we were just talking about tuesdays with mario which i read for the first time during the week and apologies to everyone that's read it 18 times but (laughs) i didn't know it existed um so thanks to alicia kelly for (laughs) suggesting it to me but i was reading that and like choking up towards the end um and genuinely, you know, when that you get that like wave of, it's like sadness, but it's like euphoria, and you just feel like you feel like tingle on the back of your neck. It's like this is feeling alive, even though I'm laying down on the couch reading a book. Mm-hmm. Like it's feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it's feeling. Yeah. Um, add to your book list. Um, Stop suggesting books, mate. I'm, I'm running out of money. Connections by <laughs> Johan Hari. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd be listening to that um, on my way to work on as an audio book, uh, crying on my way to work. So yeah. you can see me uh, in my car or in my <laughs> truck when I was still, when I still had my Ford Ranger, yeah. just like bought tears streaming down my face listening to that for the same reason. Feeling alive doesn't necessarily have to be a positive thing, can be a negative thing, can be everything in between, can be mm. both simultaneously. Yeah. It's the same when people talk about defining moments, you know, um, and that's something I talk a lot about in my work is, you know, the moments that shape you and, those you know fork in the road moments the defining moments and a lot of people instantly revert to negative things but they don't have to be negative things yeah it can be absolutely truly positive things that set you on a different path yeah and i think that's it's important to kind of like to use your example of the hero's journey that we were talking about before to be able to go full circle and have that that those periods of i guess struggle and, and frustration and pain and suffering and whatever and then to have that followed by triumph um like another book we were talking about for principles Ray Dalio like that little loop that simple like if anyone hasn't read the book um, principles there's a 28 minute YouTube series on it it's elite Um, otherwise like just google uh, principles loop or whatever and it's just like a five step kind of way to success Um, it's like identifying the problem struggling with it figuring out a solution and then just doing that on repeat and that's life and yeah. I think it's really important to understand that it's not always going to be fucking sunshines and rainbows and everyone like is on this pursuit of happiness but I think the happiness comes from when you allow yourself to feel all of those different feelings around that journey it's funny um, I ran a corporate um, retreat I guess uh, for a leadership team in uh, you know insurance and superannuation and yeah. they're all in that field and you know, we're in Queensland, like in the bush, and they're like, oh, it's so great to be able to disconnect a little bit, disconnect, you know, put our phones down. It's like, 
no, that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> they're actually going there to connect. Yeah. Because they're so disconnected and a lot of people are so disconnected in their day-to-day lives. Yeah. It's just reframing things a little bit. And I think, yeah, f- phones can be the most perfect tool for connection if we allow them to be, but they can be like one of those blocks to connection if we if we do the same. Like, it's so easy. And I, like, I'm guilty of it as much as anyone. I'm, there's a, actually, there's a really cool Medium article about like how to... Um, disconnection proof your phone or whatever it's like there's all these steps in terms of like getting rid of notifications mm. like getting rid of those fucking red little mm. dots with the numbers in it um, like setting it up so that it goes on do not disturb at like 7 o'clock at night and you know airplane mode at 11 o'clock at night all, like all these different things and I, I sat there for half an hour with one of the boys from the gym and we did it every step and um, and since then I feel as though I'm like I still check my phone, I still dive into it. Like I, but I've done little things like delete Facebook app off it, and in I probably had a month, maybe two months ago, where I was just on my phone all the fucking time, and it like I was aware of it, but not a, like not able to actually pull myself away from it yet. That kind of got me started from it, and I think now I try and look at connection through okay, how do I connect with with people and with others. And sometimes that's through the phone, right? Like we have a team Zoom meeting twice a week, 15 minutes, we just jump on and have a chat. And that's connection with the guys that I may not be able to see every day. Um, Or it might be catching up with someone on the other side of the world or whatever. So if I can connect with people, whether it be like this, like face-to-face, having a conversation, then that's a tick in that box. If I can connect with the world around me, like I've been trying to meditate outside and going for walks and shoes off, just feeling the ground like simple weird hippie shit like that but it makes you feel fucking excellent like just getting down the beach all those kind of things I tell this story a lot um, you know it's, it's a little bit of a tangent here um, I love about things. things that people take for granted and how you know many years ago I did um, some work in a prison and um, one of the inmates um, was talking about you know the question that was asked was what does your perfect day look like um, yeah, and it was quite an awkward, like, shit, what are these guys going to say yeah. here? Um, but the guy in my group, all he wanted to do was stand barefoot on grass. Yeah, well. Didn't care, like, if it was for 30 seconds or for 30 minutes, all he wanted to do was stand barefoot on grass. Yeah, that's... um something that majority of people looking at right now could go and do mm. straight away and it feels pretty bloody good mm, absolutely. Um, I haven't had shoes on all day until we fucking went over common folk mm. now they're off and I feel good yeah, and absolutely. I think like you know the grounding stuff gets a bit hippie for me sometimes but that ability just to connect with the ground and actually feel whatever you need to feel underneath it's so so valuable but we don't value those things anymore like we have two inches of polyurethane rubber underneath our feet and it, it we've got that bounciness and yeah it's comfy but we miss such a big part of I think what it is to be human and um, those little things are going to become even more powerful because people are so used to using using that as an example people are so used to having footwear on yeah um, or only being really barefoot around the house or you know in little <coughs> periods of time but if you consciously did that yeah. on the grass you know good grass as well I'm not stuffed with a shitload of Bindi <laughs> Irwin's in there you know like, <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Bindi <laughs> um, but if you're if you can do that and do it consciously like 
the small flow-on effect that it can have can lead yeah. to a whole range of different things. Yeah, and like we we majority of the stuff we do in the gym, obviously, no, like none of the impact stuff um, and some of the bigger conditioning stuff, we have shoes off, and it's really interesting to see how some people just like can't wait to get their their shoes off and other people who come in fret like fresh and don't necessarily know how it all works they're like well why like well you know i have shoes on all the time like that's kind of the point Mm. um we we can obviously understand from a movement point of view but i think it gets so much deeper than that just from a connection and we should count how many times it's going to be a lot (laughs) Uh, from a connection and from from a um from just a mental clarity point of view i think there's something to, to be said about having your shoes off um I wonder if there'd be a, a link between tradies who have work boots on all the time and, and mental health. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I'm maybe I'm drawing a really long bow, but I, I think it's it's just makes I think it's calming. Mm. Um, I don't actually know. I couldn't tell you the psychological benefits of it, but it feels good, so do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What do you think? Um, you know, hearing you say that about you know tradies and stuff, and hearing you talk about the community, um, like, what do you do? What is your delight? Do do? Yeah. So, and this is something I like. I like thinking about this stuff, um, and I'm still trying to articulate it the best. So the reason why I ask, yeah. um, you know, in one of the workshops that I do, one of the keynotes that I do, yeah. um, and that we do where I work, um, we tell the story of JFK going to NASA when he um, comes across a janitor with the. You know, with the mop and bucket and stuff, he's like, yep. oh, what do you do? Yeah. And the general's like, oh, I help all people on the moon. That's sick. I love that. So, you know, since then, and, you know, like I, I do a lot of work. I tell a lot of stories. I hear a lot of different things like that and a lot of different, you know, one-liners that are really mind-blowing. But that one's always stuck with me. And it's something that I ask a lot of people now is, yeah, what do you actually do? I, I use the... Uh the gym is an excuse to create community. Um, like for me, it started out loving sets and reps and loving deadlifts and all, all that kind of shit that comes with it. And I think I wouldn't be able to have used all of that to do what I do now if I didn't understand it to a, to a whatever level I understand it. And then to kind of dive into the the performance aspect of it that obviously like being a um, being an athlete for a period of time that was really important to me and then it kind of will, you know, you start seeing the wider world and it's like, okay, health's probably a bit more important and well-being's a bit more important and it's like, well, fuck, connection between all of those things and communities so much more important than everything else. So now um, one of the guys we look up to uses the term, it's just a flavor and I kind of like that, like the gym, the sets and reps, whatever we did today in, in, um, in our group training, it's just a flavor and it's a way to connect with both ourselves and everyone else um, and you know I know that half the people who um, trained this morning went and had coffee together um, I know that a few of them stayed around and talked shit for a while um, a few of them had to run off to work but you know I know that throughout the week there's going to be a lot of people that can have relationships and have conversations and connect with each other because of what we're doing there, um, and that's and that's a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, so it's like you 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 create a community, but what you're actually doing is you are making people feel like they belong somewhere. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That sense of sense of belonging and sense of tribe and being part of something that's bigger than yourself. I think like I don't think I know it's a basic human need, um, and I think when we 
like if you go Maslow's hierarchy, like when we find when we have our, our safety and when we know we're going to get food and stuff, that, that's the next thing we need. And I think having a place where people <clears throat> can believe in something and like there's a lot of polarizing areas of other like society and community but and the fitness industry but we're kind of in that we believe in something really strongly but it's it's almost not polarizing because it's we take the best bits of everything in terms of like our um our principles and beliefs in terms of fitness we take bits and pieces of everything so we kind of believe in everything um and kind of created our own kind of i guess training style or whatever you call it um so we're not one of those like like we get jokes that we're, like, that we're a cult sometimes um, and we love playing on it like you know, Merch says we're not a cult and stuff mm. like that but I think the first, like the, that cult word add cheer at the end and like having that culture of people that want to be a part of something um, that want to wear the merch or want to hang out on weekends or whatever um, it gives them somewhere to go as, as one thing and like that's always been a big part of that facility is even if you don't come in and train if you want to be a part of this and want to come here during the day like one of the boys dropped in yesterday to watch cricket for a couple of hours and like uh, we have guys dropping before work or, or whatever and they don't train and they just come and hang out and mm. like that's almost more rewarding than someone hitting a you know 150 kilos on a back squat or, or whatever um, and uh, yeah and, and it's all relative to different people like some people are there to train and that's it mm. um, and we got to respect that and give them the best possible training experience we can but some people are there to have have a second family and to feel like they belong where you know some of them aren't or sorry some of them don't feel like that in other areas of their life um and i think that's that's what makes it what it is and that's why why we kind of do it and then like trying to foster that so so it grows and evolves as everyone else grows and evolves too like we're never going to be the place for everyone but we've if we kind of understand what our beliefs are and and you know, to not have to keep using that word, but like that kind of what our mission is and to find people that are like-minded enough to fit into that, but also to challenge the people and challenge us that, okay, the people that aren't like-minded enough, why? And are we missing something or are they missing something or Why is all whatever? important for you? Because anyone <laughs> yeah. can, yeah. you know, like I've worked in the fitness industry, mm-hmm. like I know a lot of people who work in the fitness industry yeah. who have a whole lot of different ideas so why is that something that's important to you it's a good question like why do you give a uh, shit yeah um i think i think we are like our sole purpose as human beings is to like, is to evolve and is to grow in whatever way whether it be physically or or mentally or socially is find those ways to adapt and i think doing it in that environment having the community around you that can support you to I guess I love the term transcend yesterday um, it's kind of become a little mantra for me the second half of this year it's just like I want to be a better person it's kind of like the Kaizen mindset right like I want to be a better person I want to improve something or improve the people around me so that they're better than they were yesterday and it doesn't have to like you said it doesn't have to be me directly um, but you know if one of the guys at the gym who's struggling to get moving and to lose lose a heap of weight if I can get them in an extra time next next week because that because he feels a part of something or you know that person that's been training flat knacker for the last three months I can get him to hit a PB and he's in his dead or his bench or whatever if I can do that then <clears throat> I'm playing my, my part in making the world a better place and helping us as individuals and as a collective kind of 
evolve um but the, the way why do i give a shit bit i don't know it's fun <laughs> i like it's um i think it's it's easy it's really hard to get stuck into that it's really easy sorry to get stuck into that desire to improve that mindset um and just focus on that and just hammer that in and not kind of stop and smell the roses um so to speak so i think and that's something that I've, I go through ebbs and flows of like hammering it and then forgetting, oh shit, I, that, those two months flew by and I didn't really stop and, and appreciate it. And I'll go through like a month of like what the major and the hectic times would say, I've done fuck all, but I've enjoyed every second of it. So it's like finding that balance between loving what you do and making a difference um, and creating that community. Mm. So I don't know. It's an interesting one. And like a big part of what I do is try and build team and, a, and a, like a core group of people who will help do that for everyone else as well. Um, yeah, it's a good question. Like why, why should you give a shit? Mm. It's, um, I think it's something that we probably don't think about enough. No. I, um, I was working Tuesday afternoon. I was running a workshop um, for a property development um, company, business, whatever, um, yep. for all of this, the backroom staff. Yeah. 60 people. Um, and I asked them that same question, like, why do you guys do this? Mm. Um, you know, what's the impact, that end line impact that you're making? And I told them that JFK story. Um, and I, up until that point, I was asking a lot of very personal questions of people, you know, what are you proud of and, yeah. um, you know, people you look up to, etc. All those questions, really easy for people to answer. Really beautiful, heartfelt <laughs> responses, you know, people were really honest and yeah. um, revealing themselves and you get to that one and it was crickets. It rocks you a bit. Yeah, people weren't sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and so then, you know, you people will start on that surface, you know, oh, I do this, you know, because um, you're using that as an example, you know, people are talking about creating landscapes and being able to influence and, but for me... All these buzzwords. Yeah, that's not the answer. I don't give a shit about that. Yeah. Like, because that's not real. What I care about is why is that answer important? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it's like, like the, a couple of layers down. Yeah, it's the, okay you know, using what you're saying about building a community, like why do you want to build a community? And then you take that answer and it's like, okay, well, why is that important for you? Yeah. Well, it, like where does that come from? Well, I think like if you keep going layers, like it makes me feel good. Mm. It, it, like we're just pleasure monkeys, right? Yeah. So it makes me feel good and I know that it makes other people feel good. Um, and I think we need a place and, and that, that can be a metaphorical place. Like it can be a, group of people we need a place we can go when we don't feel good and that we know you know that that loop will come back around um and uh, i had a really i read a really good i think it was a sebastian junger quote um during the week and it was just around like when you've when you look finally look back on all the pain and suffering you realize that were the most beautiful times of your life and i like i'm fortunate to have had some tough times but not like relative to some other people not even close so it's it's cool to be able to look back at some of those times and go okay well I was challenged in so many different ways and if I wasn't then I wouldn't have adapted like go from a 
um, physiology point of view, like it's just stress, stress adaptation mm. response. And it's the same thing when we're going through a hard time and it's really hard to reflect on that or to see that during, but it's really easy, easy to reflect on that when the hard times are kind of done. Um, that's the key thing there is like, I've been through a lot of shit. Like I've swum in the deep waters before yeah. and I've also had really positive moments in my life. Yeah. If you don't take that time to stop and reflect, like they're just, that's just time. Yeah. You know, like they're just bad shit or good shit, but you can turn that into actual like growth shit. Yeah. And, but you got to take that time to reflect. And if that is going to a place like your facility to, you know, hang out, watch the cricket for a little bit and just completely center and relax yourself, like that stuff's priceless. Yeah. And I think it's having the tools and compiling the tools to be able to know how to reflect and know like what to actually reflect like we did a workshop with with Cameron Schwab um, about a month ago and I still haven't called him back but I need to um, thanks for reminding me but one of the things he did was every I think it's every six months he has like a bunch of questions he asks him it's basically just reflection questions but he locks himself in a room for four hours with nothing else and like I remember the last time I locked myself in a room and did anything for four hours. So I think that ability to actually, and four hours is nothing in a space of six months, to be able to stop and kind of go, okay, well, what am I most proud of achieving in the last 90 days or whatever? Or what am I most confident about at the moment? Or what am I most excited for? What hasn't worked and how do I, how do I fix that? And if you're able, able to stop, write it down, articulate it. Um, like I guess I journal every day, so I get a little bit of that mm. daily but to be able to do that properly every every three months can be so powerful in terms of looking back and going, well, fuck, I've actually done a fair bit because it's really easy to to not stop and reflect and to go by and go, oh, nothing's really changed in the last twelve months. Where really, like the whole world, the changed. whole the whole world can change. Like, I, I have a um, alert that comes up on my phone. It'll come up. You know, this afternoon, every Friday, four yeah. o'clock, um, weekly review. Yeah, like, what cool. have I done that week? That's cool. What's been good? What's been a little bit shit? What have I learned <laughs> this week? What, like, successes, like, areas where I, if I have my time back, I'd do it better. Um, you know, the debriefing is hugely important. Now, in, in, in anything, it's, um, you know, it's the same as in footy. It's... You know, the game, like, the game is really important, like, win or lose, but it's the the next meeting afterwards where you, like, are able to actually distill the good things that you've done well and yep. the stuff where you could actually grow a little bit. Like, that's the important part yep, of it. Definitely. Um, yeah, so debriefing. Otherwise, you just play the same game every week. Exactly. Um, you know, there's, um, I think it's Ryan Holiday's... Um, his journal, um, the Daily Stoic, I think it's called. Yep. Um, easy one. Yeah. Easy one. Oh, that lives by my bedside. Yeah. 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 It's um, yeah, I flicked through it, but I haven't, I haven't kind of sat there and read, read a lot of it. And I think being able to <clears throat> have those tools or the books or something that like, it's it's almost like a tool to center us. Mm. Um, like for me right now, it's my journal that I just. I was walking around trying to find the pen before we were going to come. I'm like, I need this journal with me. And it's just, but that's a habit that I've been able to kind of cultivate because I was like, I don't have anywhere to put all of my thoughts or quotes or to do's or whatever. Um, are there tools that you give for that debrief or that you use for that debrief? Or is it just kind of like, how do I go? Um, no, look, it depends on, 
Um, like I probably have layers of it. Um, so if I'm debriefing an experience um, where there's people in the room, um, my big thing is like what if, what stood out for you. Mm, um, you know, so it's not about anything else. It's more of a because I do a lot of weird shit in my <laughs> work. I do a lot of weird shit. I do a lot of really confronting shit. Um, there's generally um, emotion. There's always honesty and vulnerability, and that's really confronting for a lot of people. Um, so at the end of it, to start to get people to, I guess, leave the experience and you know almost do that game review meeting. Yeah. So what stood out to you? What's going to be the thing that you're going to walk away with? The memory, the thing that you remember, and then it's what are you going to take? from that experience yeah. for so from whatever that thing was that stood out to you what's the learning there yeah. um, and then it's why like why would I have done that Yeah. why would I get you to have these crazy intense conversations why would I get you to reveal yourself to your team yeah. who you don't know like why am I asking you to look beyond the email signature so much mm-hmm. um and so that's, you know, how I debrief a, an experience. And then for me personally, like, I'll look at it and I'll make a checklist of everything that I did from, you know, start to finish. And if that's a two-hour experience or an all-day or a weekend, yep. I'll pull every little thing apart. What could I have done better? Where were there the fork-in-the-road moments for me where, okay, I, I zigged. Maybe if I'd zagged, it would have gone somewhere different. Mm. And then, you know, because it's easy to then get caught in the detail and I'll take a step back and it's like, if I did it again, what are the three things I'd do differently? Yep. And if I was to give my work entire run sheet content to someone else, what are the things that I did really well that they should try and do as well? We, we have those fork in the road moments like daily. Like every conversation is a fork in the road moment. Like every relationship we have with someone, every interaction is another fork in the road moment. And it's like, you know, you see maybe people you haven't seen for a few years and like they've gone off on a different fork and they've traveled through fork after fork mm. after fork and you've done the same thing and with every different person like I think it's really valuable to be able to kind of stop and like look at where those forks are taking you and go well am I on track or am I off track it's like <clears throat> a journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step let's hope that you're right, walking in the right yeah. direction right like Absolutely. otherwise you're a thousand thousand well, then you the other work way. twice as hard because you get that extra thousand to get back to the starting point and then yeah. go to the other thousand. Yeah, and I think that's why like like planning and reflection, those, like those two things together, are so valuable because then you make sure that okay, well, I am walking in the right direction. And we talked about before about the goalposts moving. Mm-hmm. Like if the goalposts do move while you're on that path and you're not um, kind of reassessing and reflecting, then you're going to walk the wrong direction. But if you assess it and go okay well I need to take a little step to the right and then keep walking um, it's those, an ego thing yeah, too yeah because a lot of people you know when the goalposts move people are single minded about their original plan their original <laughs> goal they don't want to deviate because then they think oh fuck like I failed here yeah yep. bullshit you've only failed if you actually keep going down the path and don't realise that the goals are not where they were at the start yeah it's like that like how long do you have to make a mistake bef- like continue to make a mistake before you kind of just take the ego out of it and, mm. and change it like it's something that I probably wrestled with a little bit earlier this year was the last probably two years of business has always been about okay how do we get bigger how do we get bigger like how do we get a bigger space all that kind of stuff and then it's like 
I don't even really want that anymore. Like those mm. goalposts have moved. Like, I want to do what we're doing better and I want to do it in a bigger way and help more people. But that doesn't necessarily mean we need to find a f- facility that's twice as big. It just means that we need to get better at the way we do things. And I think that it was almost like a little weight off the shoulder. Like mm. it was a breath of fresh air. I felt so much better when I kind of finally articulated to myself, well, I don't even actually know if I want that anymore. And that, But that only came from probably... 50 days of like journaling a full page every day mm. and of me finally kind of like unraveling all those kind of thought processes absolutely because um, you asked me that question like six months ago what's next it would have been yeah we're going to get a bigger gym mm. but if you ask me what's ne- what next now it's like well I just want to get really really good at what we're doing mm. um, you used the word vulnerability before why is that so important for creating connection and culture yeah I use them both in the same sentence um because it shows that people are human. Good. So when I walk into a room and it doesn't matter if it's, you know, the C-level leadership team of a company, it doesn't matter if it's professional sports team, I don't give a shit what your title is. I don't care how many games you've played. Yeah. What I care about is human interaction. Um and you know vulnerability it's it can freak people out it can be scary but as soon as you start to then voice that mm. like you're being vulnerable then when you're voicing how scared you are of the vulnerability <laughs> yeah. like you're being human because you're then yeah. you're you're shining a light on it and you're showing people like your own fear mm. um it's you know it's what happens when um people shy away from it and they run away from it is everyone's having the exact same experience. Yeah. They just don't realize it. And as soon as you start to actually step into it, the person next to you is like, oh shit, I'm feeling the exact same way. Yeah. And the other person's like, oh, I'm feeling the same way. Oh, I'm feeling the same way. Yeah, don't All of a sudden, effect. you've got a team. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone's on the same page starting point and then you can start having those conversations that you, that you need to have. Is there like... Obviously, you do this a lot, but you get a lot of resistance, right? Like people not wanting to kind of open up and be vulnerable. What's your kind of like, I don't know, go to, or or what's your focus when that that happens? How do you, how do you make how do you break down those barriers? Um, there's a lot, like there's a lot of different methods yeah. for me. Like you know, it depends on a lot of things. Like you know, what sort of archetype are they? Um, are they a rebellious person by nature? Are they just scared? Yeah. And if they're scared, then it's, you know, how do I make it safe for them? Um, a lot of the times my approach is to let people self-select. Um, and by doing that, you get more and more examples of people putting themselves on the line. Yeah. Which means that the person who's scared starts to say, oh, well, that person and that person and that person having great experience. Yeah, nothing to be scared about. Yeah, and I'll ask the room, like, hands up if you respect these people. All the hands go up. It's yeah. like, well, I want to be respected. Yeah. Um, sometimes I've got to call people out. You know, if there's... And you get it sometimes, and probably more so in, in sport workshops. Um, where some where ego's ones, are bigger. Yeah, you'll always get one or two people who their ego gets in the way. And yeah. I'll call them on it. Yeah. Um, if they're being destructive of everyone else, like I'll be the first one to be like, so you know, why, why are you ruining everyone else's experience here? <laughs> yeah. You put the heat on them straight away. Yeah. Because they're not used to being spoken to in that way, especially yeah. by the presenter or the facilitator or whatever you want to call me. Hello. Mm. 
I think as well one of the um, biggest things that happens in my work is when someone opens up and is really raw and really honest and showing huge amounts of courage, um, two things happen then in the room. Um, one, like the first thing that always happens is it feels like the whole room shrinks. Yeah. And because everyone's focused, everyone leans forward if they're sitting down or everyone's entire focus and and attention is on that person. Um, And then the fork in the road moment happens after that where the second thing that happens is people will either try and offer advice or help that person. And the thing that that I really push is if you want to make that person feel okay and feel supported... Show them your vulnerability. Yeah. Be honest. Match what they're doing. Because yeah. um, I'm not in the business of helping people. Sometimes it's a byproduct of what I do, but make no mistake about it, it is not the focus of what I do. I, what I do is about empowering people and creating teams and bringing people together to bring that group of people to life, to be united, bulletproof. Yeah. So when people go to help mode, help mode, help mode, like thing that then fascinates me is okay why do you want to help why are you resistant to showing your vulnerability are they helping because they're terrified or are they helping because they don't know how to be vulnerable like there's a whole rabbit hole that you can go down there with that yeah well like so many of us go into that hell mode because we're like oh yeah solution just fix it but the solution like it doesn't fix it because the other person's always resistant to it Mm. so that ability for us to like it's almost like I go through it with coaching a lot where I know what the person needs to do like to help them in a certain situation but me telling them over and over again ain't going to help it's I've got to teach them to or, and empower them I, just, I love that word but empower them to to figure it out themselves and you know some people it takes five minutes some people it takes six weeks some people it takes six months but if you can empower someone to actually make this or to, to learn it and then execute it then they're going to get the result thereafter mm-hmm. and they're going to be able to continue to get that yeah. result right thereafter we're not teach a person how to fish you know <laughs> it's the same thing like in, in my work you'll never hear me give my excuse me you'll never hear me give my personal opinion yeah. on things is that hard it can be yeah. because sometimes yeah it's like like you can, it's right in front of yeah the person or right in front of the group or you know I'm looking at the pattern of the group and I'm the only one who can see it because I'm not part of it yep. um, but the ego part wants to really throw that out there and be like well this is why you're doing that this is why you as a team are constantly yep. hitting brick walls because you know you're all swimming in different directions um, yep. but until they figure it out it doesn't mean shit yep. if I tell them that might be great for a couple of weeks, but yep. over the course of the season, over the course of a financial year, yep. it's not going to last. Yep. Um, Do you just kind of revert back to like asking the right questions? Yeah, and you know, it's so it's, for me, it's either asking questions or being vulnerable myself. And yep. vulnerability is not just about emotion, it's just about being honest. Mm. Like, if I don't know, I'll say it, I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, what do you guys think? Because <laughs> um, yeah. they should know themselves better than I should. Yeah. They're there all day with each other. Yeah. Um, but for me, like, I sort of view myself as like uh, the Sherpa, I guess. Like, yeah. I'm not there to do the walk up to the top for them. Yeah. I'm there to support them and to walk Just alongside facilitate them. facilitate it. Exactly. They still yeah. have to walk up to the top of Mount Everest, whatever yeah. that looks like for them. 
How's your ability to guide them evolve or guide your groups evolved over like the last, I guess, six, 12, 18 months as you've been evolving mm. yourself? Um, it's funny, like I've been doing this work. Weirdly, I started doing this work since I was 20, I'm 33 now and 20 years old. Um, you know, I had a 12 month secondment um, from my work. So I was working for a year at True Energy, um, which I don't even know if they exist anymore. Um, and, but at the time, they were the biggest energy provider in Victoria. Um, and I'm not sure if they were in other states or not. Um, and I was there to run leadership and connection-based workshops as a 20-year-old, long hair. I was this, like, little punk skater, martial <laughs> art kid. Um, and, you know, when I look back at that Jeremy to today like it's a completely different person um you know I, I guess probably the big thing now is before i run everything um i always tell myself that i don't have the answers um yeah. and and I, for me that's really important because as soon as i start to go into a room thinking that i know everything that's when i'm going to fuck shit up yeah. and things are going to explode and it's you know the participants aren't going to get what they want and what they need that's pretty. That's pretty important. That's pretty powerful to be able to like stop and kind of go. Well, I don't have the answers. Yeah. But I'm gonna facilitate an environment where you guys can start start figuring it out. Mm. You you said you used to be a punk skater, martial art kid. I like that. Mm. Who are you now? Um, man, I'm just a person who's um on the journey. I'm just like every other person. Like I'm yeah. going through the highs and lows of life. Um, I'm the person who. You know, like this year, there's been a lot of curveballs thrown this year, some self-inflicted, some thrust upon me, you know, we talk about the Euros journey, there's been a lot of calls to adventure this year for me. Um, So, as for me, I'm a person who just gives a shit about people. And that's my whole thing, is like, I give a shit about people. Strength and conditioning, when I was in that world, like, you know, when we were at Collingwood, you would have known a lot more than me. you know, when I've been at every <laughs> club I've been at, yeah. um, there's people who, you know, my, the interns and stuff know more than me, have way more technical knowledge. The only thing that might separate me is that um, I give a shit about the person who I'm working with. And, yeah. um, and that's in strength and conditioning. And in, when I was in that world, that's in coaching, which is sort of, I guess, what I consider myself now. Yeah. Um, and you know in all facets of my life like I'm just the person who gives a shit to flip your own question why why do I give a shit Um, I see what you've done there Um, you know I I think because I think back to um, the impact that it had on me when people gave a shit about me and how that completely enabled me to transcend my existence and break out of you know, bubbles that I was living in or potentially going to be living in. Um, You know, like we spoke about last time how, you know, Jim Steins um, was one of the first people to really believe in me and he didn't care that um, I was from a shit area and I was constantly, like, messing up at school. Like, he just saw something in me and gave a shit. And so, like, that's really informed a lot of things for me. Mm. What's kind of the next evolution of Jeremy? Um, you know, it, it's, it's funny. It's like the last, um, couple of years has been a lot of roller coaster things. So I think, um, for, 
you know, the next 12 months in particular, um, started to make a few decisions to enable a bit more space yep. in my life to, um, you know, there's a lot of external um, outputs that I, I just had to do, um, but I've started to, I guess, set up structures to look after myself a little bit more because yeah. I'm like, I am my own worst enemy because <laughs> I'm so giving to other people that sometimes I'm the last person on that list. Oh yeah. I just wrote an article for like a business magazine that one of my mm. mates is setting up and he's like, can you write one on like your... Um, like your specialty I'm like I don't feel like I have a specialty but sure I'll write, I'll, like I'll write one on like health and how to make sure you're maximising your output through all that stuff and I'm writing it and I'm going fuck I'm just writing this for like me like six months ago mm. and it's it's funny how the people that are in positions of I guess coaching others or facilitating others development how you forget to look after yourself like I wrote a big chunk on sleep and like I read Matthew Walker's book um, listen to his podcast and it's just like okay after reading it, I'm like, here's my area that I yeah. need to work on at the moment. And I think that's really important for everyone to understand that these people who stand in front of you in a classroom or stand in front of you at work or whatever, they're going through the same shit and they're, they're dealing with the same issues and the same problems. They might be one step ahead in certain areas of their lives, but at the end of the day, everyone's like on that journey. Just mm-hmm. like, just everyone's like fighting something. Yeah. What, what are the areas, I guess, for you that you need to look after yourself a little bit better? Um, oh man, like my mental health has taken a hit this year yep. in the last probably two years. Um, so like I got diagnosed with severe depression, um, this week. Um, yeah, wow. so yeah, working on that and that's been a, like it's one of those things where I've probably known for quite some time. Yep. Um, but learning, um, what that actually means and how to do that and a lot of people would be very shocked by that considering the work that I do well, that, and knowing know. not the like, kind of person you are and I guess the work that you do can you articulate how that feel like not necessarily it feels to be diagnosed but how it feels to kind of to know and mm. like to what that kind of roller coaster is like yeah and knowing's huge yeah. knowing's knowing is is huge um, knowing means that um you go from being in an empty room to um, someone turn in the dark to someone turning a light on, um, so you can see where the door is, yeah. um, and how you get to that door. Like it might take, you know, years and years and years, but you, at least you sort of know that there's a door somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, so for me, that's what that's been able to do. It was quite liberating um, mm. to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, so, so there's that. That's something that um, you know will just be ongoing. Yeah. Um, and then you know my physical health. Um, you know, like I spoke about it. Um, you know, off air a little bit. You know, like my stepdad's quite unwell, um, and which forced me to move from New South Wales back down to Victoria. So, yeah. seeing um, you know him sort of have to swim in some real deep waters, um, yeah. and then mum as well alongside that. So, there's um, definitely like you know a lot of hospital food and a lot of drive-through runs this year for yeah. lack of preparation so um you know like this year it's been about you know finishing off this year has been about taking um some steps and setting up some structures to just allow um, me to succeed a little bit more yeah um and to you know it's not that i don't practice what i preach but it's to now really like live that so that I can look in the mirror after running a workshop and be like, yeah, like I'm that guy. Yeah. Do you struggle, like if you're not looking after yourself, do you struggle with feeling like, 
um, I don't know, imposter syndrome or like feeling oh, like man, you're yeah. a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, I, it's a question that I ask a lot in my work um, about that sort of, you know, you feel like an imposter at work or like a yeah. bit of a fraud and stuff like that. And, yeah. um, and how many people put their hands up for that oh, or stand insane, up for that or relate to that or connect with that. Um, yeah. I do because, you know, I often feel as though, um, you know, like, well, why, why am I this person at the front of the room? Like, yeah. why are these people here listening to me? Why are they, why is this company um, paying for me to come to their work? Like, yeah. surely there's other people out there. Um, and then, you know, I'll start the workshop and then I'll be like, oh, yeah, this is why. Mm. Um, you know, and, and oftentimes it's not until after the workshop where I really understand that gravity. But every workshop, it's the same process. I will yeah. get nervous. I've been doing this for 15 <laughs> years. I will get nervous yeah. running workshops. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's my content or if I'm working with someone else, yeah. running it on my You're own. Still, still nervous. Still it's nervous good thing, all the time. <laughs> All the time. Yeah, it's, it's it's a good like it's a good thing to feel those nerves because it gives, mm. means you give a shit. Mm. Um, and like it's something that I've gone through doing this. Like I have periods of time where I'll do heaps of podcasts in like a three or four week period, and I'll be six or seven ahead. I'll be like, yeah, we're sweet, and mm. I won't do any for six weeks. And I'll be like, oh fuck, I don't think I remember how to do podcasts anymore. Like, I don't know how to do it. And then I'll I'll do one and like feel like I'm flown out, like I'm just talking. At the end of it, I'll be like, I need to do more podcasts. Mm. <laughs> like it's that when you're actually in it doing it you're sweet but it's when we're out of it and we're like our own worst enemy and I was listening to Joe Rogan talking mm. to Henry Rollins who mm-hmm. Henry Rollins is just fucking he's a he's powerhouse just a cool guy he's just doing done and doing and heaps of shit but him and Rogan talked about imposter syndrome in their last podcast it's towards the end I can't mm. remember which part but for about 20 minutes and I'm just sitting there like mouth wide open going how do these two people like feel as though that no one gives a shit <laughs> like mm. the two people that you know I've obviously never met them but I consume a heap of their content and they you look up to them so much and they're struggling with it and that kind of kicks me in the gear a little bit and just it was just a really good reminder is like everyone goes through that shit yeah. everyone feels though like they're not good enough um, like bring you up again Cam Schwab like incredible person like having only met him once and obviously you hear about it, all the stuff he's done like he talked about it as well and like really struggling with that feeling like he didn't belong there mm. and that he wasn't good enough and like, I go through the same feeling with my team and with like coaching people and stuff like that and it's like it's a good reminder to go okay well you know you don't have to know everything you don't have to know all the answers and if you just do it because you give a shit then you kind of do you ever tell your right team I like to think that I probably would have, but I probably don't enough. Um, that I don't. Sometimes I don't feel like I'm good enough as a leader, or that I'm. I never. I never feel like I don't work at it enough. Like I'm always trying to make it better, but I probably don't stop and articulate it to the team that, like, sometimes I don't feel like I deserve to be out in front of you guys. Um, like, yeah, which is which is, it's a good lesson for me to create situations where I can be that open and honest mm. and talk to them. Um, and sometimes as well, it's not about, um, you know, cause this is where going back to that whole point on vulnerability, yeah. like 
the effect that that would have, especially on the interns. Like, you know, they're the, they're the basement. You're trying to raise their ceiling up quickly. Mm. You know, being that role model to put that out in front of them, the impact that that could have. And on the staff that you've, you know, that have been around for a little while and because um, it, it's a humanising thing. And, you know, mm. one of the things I love about you and um, following you on social media and working with you in footy is, you know, you're absolutely a real people person and sometimes the um, the risk in that is that you don't get seen because you're always seen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, and I kind of go through stages of being like, shit, I'm posting too much or I'm trying to do the same things over and over again and I think, like, it's that balance between consistency and impact and it's just like, well, I'm not the kind of person that, can kind of not show what I'm doing in, mm. in a way like I'd like to be open book everyone kind of seeing me for what I am um, so that like that consistency is just something that I, I try and keep up intentionally mm. um, because that's me mm. and that's and like yeah that's a really interesting point like always seeing never seeing kind of thing and I feel like that sometimes mm. like I feel as though like and I'll go through stages of being like, fuck, I'm working so hard and like the needle's not moving, but I'm almost measuring the wrong needle yeah. a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's what, what like for people in positions where they, f- where they are struggling to be vulnerable with a team or like it doesn't matter which part of the team they are, whether mm-hmm. an intern or, or, or running it or, you know, just one of the members of the team, what's the apart from being vulnerable yourself because you said that was mm. kind of your, your main go-to what are the things like the nudges and things that you give to create that environment mm. um, it's about allowing people to talk or express things um, you know where they don't even realise that they're doing it half the time yep. you know like uh, one of the questions that I'll ask the most is um you know, I'll get people into, I'll work with groups of people and be like, what's something that you're most proud of? Yeah. Um, and the answer to that gives a huge insight into the person. They're being vulnerable, but they're also talking about something that has really positive connotations with it. And yeah. what's surprising is uh, in terms of bringing up emotion, that question brings up a lot of emotion for mm. a lot of people especially if you give yourself time to stop and reflect and actually give a proper mm. answer because they don't take time to stop and reflect mm. yeah we've started implementing into it into those like two weekly huddles um, like sharing a win mm. and like what are you what are you pardon me what are you actually proud of um, and that's it's sprouted some really cool conversations just around like little things sometimes like uh, mum's part of our team and she'll be like I'm really proud that I asked for help the other day because mm. she's super stubborn, never asked for help. Mm. And, and, you know, then it's pump someone else up, like, caught being awesome, like, what's this other person doing? So it's kind of that joint one person sharing their own win and then them sharing for someone else. Absolutely. It's a, it's a huge thing, you know. So you're, you're sharing wins and then it's, like, when that's done it becomes okay for other people to share their win. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the whole thing that I work on is, you know, like all I'm doing is like opening up little things in the whole room yeah. so that everyone can do it together and sing from the same songbook. Yeah. How do we make the impact you're making in groups in a wider community by community kind of scale? That's a, that's the great question. <laughs> the big question yeah. yeah. Um, like, you know, 
Um, and it's something that I think about quite a bit is how can I take, um, I guess, the feeling of participants at the end of my workshops and give that to the world. Mm. Um, and I'm not sure, yeah, it's something I'm still trying to figure out. Like, you know, there's talk of, you know, moving to digital platforms, um, but then you lose the human factor. And you're um, just another piece of content to consume, right? Exactly. Um you know, we do large-scale stuff and I do large-scale stuff. But I think it's about um, when someone comes to my work and experiences a workshop, it's about them taking it into their lives yeah. and doing it then. And that's, you know, the, the stuff that really fills me up the most is when someone sends an email from a year before yeah. who was in a workshop and be like, since I did that... Um, I've done X, Y, Z. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, you know, little things like um, starting a meeting at work and not going straight to business, but talking about like what's front of mind for you at the moment. Yeah. Um, and some people fucking hate that shit. <laughs> I know, right? Like if they weren't in my workshop, like what is this hippie shit? Um, yeah. But I think that's once, just ego and, it's and ego, fear of vulnerability. Fear, um, it's fear of vulnerability, fear of something different. Everyone's always scared of something different. Yeah. Um, I stole that line from Cool Runnings, but it's so true. Um, but people you don't know, like, like what's those different. Things, yeah, like those <laughs> things can have a huge impact. Like yeah. the little things, like you know that touching base before you actually get to business mm. can have a yeah. transcendent impact. Does do those like messages and emails and things, do they help you kind of find something to grab onto when you're, when you're swimming in deep water yourself? Uh, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I think I've always been really lucky in that like I work so consistently in running workshops um, that, and I make everyone fill out evaluation forms so I know what I'm doing is either going all right or areas where I can improve. Yeah. Um, so I do get that consistently. I think um, the thing that helps me through those deep waters is giving myself the chance to talk and to open up and yep. or to write and to get thoughts out or to go to the gym yep. um, and do something physical. You know, the the iron doesn't lie, like that sort of perspective. Hundred kilos, love that shit. Kilos. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, like Henry Rollins talks about that shit a lot. He's yeah. like, you know, doesn't matter. Like hundred kilos, hundred kilos. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter if you're having a good day, a shit day, you know that in that moment you're present because you have to be. Yeah. 100 kilos. Yeah. Yeah. I love I love that kind of like someone will get out of a set and oh, wow, that felt heavy. Didn't feel mm. heavy last week. And it's like, it's okay. Like, mm. you're not exactly the same person you were last week. You haven't had the same day. You haven't, like, there's so many different variables that you probably haven't thought about. Mm. Um, and people get so frustrated with themselves when they can't do something they could do a week ago. And it's just like, well, you know, look at the last few days. Like, how are you feeling? Like, up top like have you like you've had like knowing most of my guys fairly intimately it's it's helps with coaching because i can kind of say like just stop for a second have a think about the last two days you've had Mm. like and they'll be like oh yeah i guess like you know and it's that being kinder to yourself and being able to kind of go oh actually i'm doing doing pretty well like showing like (laughs) i love the bouncing between two ideas one being yeah showing up's enough and the other one being showing up isn't enough Mm. (laughs) and it's like you just got to show up. Like if you're struggling and things aren't going well, you've just got to show up. If you're 
pumping and everything's rolling, showing up isn't enough. You have to be intentional and make sure you make yeah. the most of it. And like, like it's almost fighting between two two opposing ideas. But mm. I think it's really important to do both at yeah. certain times. But to know yourself and be aware of yourself well enough to go, okay, today I just need to show up. Yeah, um, you know the footy club that I work for. That's our big motto is turn up. Yeah. Um, you know, like we'll ask players like, have you turned up today? Like, yeah. did you turn up? And that can have two different connotations, can't it? Yeah, exactly. And so that's a real driver, behavior driver, and a metric that we look at. You know, we, yeah. we look at a lot of different things um, at Oakley, um, but turning up is a, is a huge part of that physically, yeah. mentally, being present. It's huge. Turn up, and it's not just for yourself, it's turn up for the person next to you. Yeah. Any any team has to mm. has to go in with that. Mm. Otherwise, you're not a team. You're just a group of individuals hanging out together. Yeah, exactly. What's that kind of being present and like presence is like a big buzz I don't know, buzzword at the moment. I don't know. Um, it's one of those things that keeps coming up. What is being present? What does that mean? Um, you know, I guess mindfulness is probably the buzzword. Um, in life uh, and society for the last couple of years. Um, But it's just being very aware of what's happening in that moment. So like right now, I know that I'm sitting here talking to you. Um, There's a bottle of water sparkling here. The bubbles bubbles are popping. Yeah, like (laughs) very aware of that. As soon as you start to think elsewhere, like bang, you're gone. You're not present anymore. you know, and for me, it goes back to like right at the very start of this conversation, talking about those flow, the being in the zone to feeling alive, like mm. present. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be simple. Like, you know, I ride a motorcycle and like, you can't be thinking of other shit. Like <laughs> when you're riding a motorcycle in Melbourne, like yeah. do that, bang, you're gone. Yeah. Too much shit going on. Martial arts when I was still competing, like yeah. you have to be present. Every second. Yeah. Acting like when I've done that you have to be present because there's always direct results in those things when you're not. Um, life, you can get away with it a little bit, but I guess the thing in life is then it becomes death by a thousand cuts. You don't realise the cost yeah. by not being present because it's just gradual little incremental things. Yeah, and next thing you know, the six months, two years, three years just goes like that and you don't really get to experience it mm. and appreciate it. It's like how many relationships do you hear fail because one person will, will say they weren't there enough or I wasn't there enough and yeah. it's the same shit yeah I got a really good quote about that somewhere but I just swapped into a new diary so I think it's in the old one but it's about <laughs> it's about love love never dies like it's always it it's always um, either you lose touch because you focus on other things mm-hmm. or or something like that and I just thought that was the most perfect like little analogy for it I don't think I'm ever gonna. I don't think I'm gonna find it. There's too much shit going on here. <laughs> but, a lot of words in your diaries. Oh and journals. yeah, but I don't know, not super important. Um, all right, I've got three questions of you to finish mm-hmm. off. <clears throat> it's a little bit stealing from what we were talking about before, um, but I want to kind of do one reflection, one mm-hmm. now, and one looking forward. Mm-hmm. What are you most proud of? Kind of like achieving or doing or experiencing this year. Like, um. The fact that I moved state 
um, yeah. very quickly to support uh, my family and to be there for a support and left. Would have been real easy to um, stay living where I was, doing what I was. Um, and so the fact that I did that um, without a hesitation um, and I'd do it, it cost a lot. Like there was a lot of collateral yeah. damage with that. Um, but I would do it a hundred out of a hundred times to be there for my family. Um, and that, you know, throughout the whole year, um, and there's been a lot of moments where it's like, oh, I wish I had my time back. Um, but that's one thing where I would do it every single time. I like that. It's it's good to be able to kind of know that you do that Mm. and know that even though there's collateral damage, there's sacrifice to everything, Mm. but to be able to and I'm sure your family knowing that you would do that time and time again it's pretty epic it's huge the current one what are you most confident about what am I most confident about um that's a great question I don't think I've um ever been asked that question before so and that does not happen very often yes. <laughs> um, it took us an hour and four minutes yeah, ladies and gentlemen I, got uh, <laughs> I get asked a lot of questions in my life and a lot of all sorts of things, but um, I think what I'm most confident about is that everything will be okay. And mm. I don't know how long it'll take, um, yeah. but it will like eventually. That. It'll be okay. It's a really good answer. Yeah, that's good. Mm. What are you most excited for? Um... I think um, I'm pushing really hard to um, have a holiday <laughs> next year. <laughs> okay. um, I don't. I that's one of my big things that um, I really am shit at is taking holidays. Yeah. Um, and doing things like there's, um, there's your chance for reflection. Yeah. Um, you know, if I have a sick day, um, I can't help but like lift up the laptop lid and yeah. start like doing work. Um, that so surprise me. <laughs> just having a break um, and getting out of my comfort zone a yeah. little bit with that. So, what's what's the? Uh, is there a place or a an experience you want to dive into? Um, I wouldn't mind going to. I mean, there's so many things on my list right now. Um, you know, from uh, going to South America. Um, you know, and spending you know, a month in Brazil, um, jiu-jitsu in the morning, surfing in the afternoon or vice versa. Yeah. Uh, doing that for a month, that sounds shit. Um, <laughs> not. Um, yeah. I do it, I dare. To, um, you know, going back to Thailand and um, spending, you know, a month or two at a kickboxing camp and just yeah. like singularity focusing on one thing yeah. every single day and just like sharpen the sword, so yeah. to speak. Love that. Um, to you know, going to Malta um, and you know, catching up with family. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things. Um, you know, I'm I'm trying to convince my cousin to um, get a motorcycle license so that we can then ride a motorcycle from either the south to north of New Zealand or north to south. Um, yeah, that's something that's on my bucket list to do at some point. Yeah. So any of those things would be nice. Book money, mate. Yeah. I- I use the term positive pressure with that stuff. It's mm. like <clears throat> I did the South America trip when I didn't really have the financial stability to be able to do it and we didn't have all the structure in place mm. for me to be able to leave. But did, I did it six months out knowing that, well, I'm going to fucking make that happen over the next six months. And I did and it worked and like there were heaps of holes opened up and 
like not bad holes, but we realized what needed to be filled. Mm. And that has all it's done is strengthen everything. And I think you've been able to kind of book that a period in advance. We'll kind of go, okay, well, I've got that coming up. Now I've got to dive into some mm. deep work or. Mm. Yeah, there's, um, it's definitely, it'll definitely happen in 2019. Um, I'll do that. To, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I've got some pretty exciting things happening yeah. um, in sport that I can't really talk about yet. So hopefully next time I can tell yeah. you about that whole process. Um, but yeah, definitely. I think I'm probably leaning towards the Brazil or the Thailand thing. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I'm not allowed to talk about, I'm really excited about doing because that'll yeah. be, um, that'll that'll be huge. Yeah, um, good. And yeah, I think I'm also just really excited to um, work with different people um, this year. Like I'm starting, like I've cut my hours a little bit at work to um, to just do a couple of days a week. So I'm doing three days a week um, and just facilitating and creating content um, to then do in the workplace, which, you know, that extra two days of the working week means I can do a bit more freelance stuff and go into other companies yeah. and sporting teams and do my own thing um, yeah. which pump that creativity vein yeah exactly and not have to do things to a certain structure yeah so I like that looking forward to that good how can people either book you to get into into their businesses or just get around you yeah uh, hit me up on LinkedIn that's the um that's the thing. I've been told I need, uh, need to improve my LinkedIn presence, so I've been doing that the last couple of months. Uh, so just Jeremy Dooley. Um, look for me on LinkedIn. I've got a big beard. Um, you can't miss it. Beautiful, so. beautiful beard. Thank you. Thank you. I, have, I swear you shaved it and it grew back in like a week. Yeah. Yeah. I had to roll the dice that time, you know, so I was either shaved my head or I thought, oh, I'll shave my beard. <laughs> it's so good. It's um, so thick. So, yeah, I always p- I'm putting up stuff around like um, workshops that I – have run um, and focus on that and also like my sort of thoughts on coaching and mentoring yeah Um, so yeah LinkedIn's the best best place to get me I'm getting you in for us yeah absolutely we're making it happen for sure Um, I found that quote to finish off didn't mean to throw my pen then (laughs) love never dies a natural death it dies because we don't know how to replenish its source it dies of blindness and errors and betrayals it dies of illness and wounds it dies of weariness of witherings of tarnishings wow Ponder that. Yeah. See you, team. Mike, Thanks for coming. Cheers, thank you.